and he was declining in health. And he finally got serious about his eternal state. Tell me, no, that's just around the corner for every one of us. He goes to the local pastor and he says, what can I do, pastor, to account for the fact that I've never given any of my time and actually I've never given a dime to the church? The pastor just looks at him with that knowing expression and says, well, the good thing is you finally got around to doing what's right. So what are you going to do? And convicted, the old man says, okay, how about if I give the church every cent I've got? Will that do it? Will that guarantee I'll go to heaven when I die? If I give my entire fortune to you, will that work? And the pastor says, well, let's give it a try and see what happens. (laughs) Amen? If there's nothing else to try, try that. How many know you can't wait till the end? You can't take anything with you this morning. Amen. The reason I say that is because I want to mention this morning, we've been dealing with some stuff this year. Can you say amen? I want, to, I want to put a third thing. So we started off this year, obviously, with fasting and praying, and we did the Vision 2020. And how many are thankful this morning that we can see through God's eyes, that we have a vision to see things clearly as things are going on? And then a few months ago, we, we know that the virus happened, and we had to shut down church, and all the craziness happened, and there was a spirit of fear that came upon our world. And the very first message that I preached when I found out about the pandemic, the very first message the Lord put on my heart was faith over fear. And then just recently in the last couple weeks, we've had a spirit come with the enemy of hatred and anger and violence. And this is a spirit of the devil that he wants to move throughout our world. And I want to talk this morning about a third one that is really this morning the fuel for the first two. It's really what pushes fear and pushes violence and pushes anger and pushes hatred. And it is a word called greed. So I want to minister this morning on fear, hate, and greed. Amen. I believe this strongly with all my heart that this is a message the Lord has put on my heart. And I believe that the devil has a, a, a spirit if in this place, uh, in, the, in our world today, of fear and then hate and now greed. And greed is what is behind both of those. How many know that everything that goes on in this world has an agenda behind it? How many have had enough eyes to see that there's an agenda behind the things that are going on in our world? We can see that, especially as Christians. We know that there are things that are being pushed from the background to cause us to be divided, to cause us to hate each other, to cause us to not get along, to cause us to be afraid. And as John said in the, in the prayer time, we know this morning that there's nothing that the enemy can bring against the church that can defeat us if we keep our eyes on Jesus. How many believe that this morning? How many believe that this morning? There's nothing that can defeat us if we keep our eyes on Jesus. Teenagers, you look good there in the front row. Amen. I still see some seats up here available. For a while, we had a good run with all these teenagers sitting in the front. So I'm just going to encourage y'all to get back up here again. Amen. Well, we went almost a year, didn't we? And then that virus came along. So these young ladies are doing a great job leading by example. Amen. To get these teenagers back up. Look at the whole front row here. Whole front row. Okay, there we go. I see some leadership there coming. Come on. I see some leadership coming. Amen. There's still some room. Any teenagers want to come up here to the front? Get up here in the front. Come on. Don't be a follower. Be a leader. There we go. Amen. There we go. There comes Curtis. He says, I'm a young man. 
I'll join you if I didn't have to preach, Curtis. I'd sit there right next to you. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6. Go to your Bibles, would you? And I want to address this in verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Fear, hate, and greed. And I, I believe with all my heart that the devil is sticking his neck up. And he is, if he were to come and visit us face to face, he would tell us, I'm bringing a spirit of fear and hate and greed. And greed is the most dangerous one. You're going to see that in a moment. And I want to look at Ephesians 6, and I want us to realize that we're in a battle. Let me know we're in a battle this morning. We're in a spiritual battle. Behind everything that's going on in the world, everybody can point fingers and say things and say this or that, but the bottom line is behind everything, there is a spiritual battle going on for the souls of mankind. And let me tell you something, church. The devil is not done fighting against the church. The, de the devil is not going to stop until Jesus comes and finally one more time puts him down in that pit. He is going to, the Bible says he's roaring like a lion and he's seeking whom he can devour. But this is not a physical battle. Too many times we fight fear and hatred and anger and greed and all the spirits that come against us physically with our mouths, with our hands, with our bodies, with our emotions. It's not a physical battle. Look what the Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in who? In the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the people around you. The people in your neighborhood, the people you go to work with. What does it say? The wiles of the devil. The wiles of the devil. I'm not here to blame everything on the devil. I'm not here to give the devil credit for everything, although he'll take it. I'm here to tell you there's a real enemy. Okay? And it says we need to put our armor on. Don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against what? It, what look what the Bible says we're fighting against this morning. Principalities powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age. The Bible tells us that when Satan, Lucifer, that beautiful angel, rebelled against God and he left heaven, he took one-third of the angels with him. And that one-third of the angels are now demons. And they're working against the church. And that spirit, those are spirits that are real. And it says, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in heavenly places. Therefore, what do we do? We take up the whole armor of God that we would be able to withstand in the evil day. How many realize we're living in evil days? And having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your waist girded with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, watch this, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now here's what we do as we put the armor on. Here's the biggest key right here. The next verse says, praying always with prayer and supplication in the flesh. In the what? In the spirit. Being watchful 
to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And he says, as for me, that utterance may be given to me that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Lord, I ask you for just a few minutes to arrest the minds of these beautiful people here this morning, Father, here, that are here for a word, that are here, Lord, to be overcomers, that are here to walk in your power, to walk in your will. Lord, we bind every spirit of the enemy that is fighting against the church of Jesus Christ this morning, against the unity of the believers, Father. We pray that your power and your anointing would fill this place. And we would leave with a word and a revelation and recognize this morning the spirits that are battling against us. And Father, we thank you as we've already heard so many times this morning, no weapon formed against us can prosper. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. So I want to focus on greed. If, if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen to the podcast and notice over the last few weeks how we've been dealing with the issues that are going on in the world. And the first one was that fear from the pandemic. And then recently, we talked last week even, about the hatred and the, and the racism and the, and the, and the spirits uh, that are trying to divide us. And so you can go back. I can't take time to re-preach that message again. Go back and listen to that. But I want us to understand, he who has an ear, let him hear. What the, the fuel behind all these spirits is greed. The, the push for gain, the push for money, the push for uh, power is what is behind all these things. And as we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, many of you have heard this verse before. This is how we know that greed is the worst. It's the most powerful. Of, it's the fuel because it says the love of money is the root of some evil. What is it? All evil. Greed. Greed, the love of money, selfishness is what is the root of all evil. We talked a, a couple weeks ago about that root, that we got to figure out what the root of the problem is, not just put medicine to it. we got to figure out why these things happen. And, and what I'm trying to show you this morning is the spirits that are behind these things. And it says, for which some, and this is where we have to be careful as believers, because Paul's not talking to the world. He's talking to the church. He says, for which some have strayed from the faith. They have left their faith. And, and in their what? Greediness. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. This is something that came straight to me. I didn't get it from anybody else. I didn't not, I'm not claiming I uh, invented it, but... I didn't read it. Greed is financial gain at someone else's expense. Greed is financial gain at someone else's expense. What do I mean by that? I mean, I, I'm not being greedy if I rent you a, a house and you pay me for rent and you're living in a house. You're getting something for the money you're paying. It's, not, it's costing me money, but you're giving me a house. Or if I buy a car from you. I'm giving you money, but we're exchanging something. Greed is where I'm trying to get something from you for my gain at either yours or somebody else's expense. And that is the spirit 
that is, that, that is what the Bible calls the spirit of lawlessness. If, if you don't believe what I'm talking about, you need to wake up. Because the truth is, if you go to the root of every single problem in the world, Pastor Mario mentioned it at the offering, what is the root of the greatest problems in marriage? Money. You get to the root of all the problems in the world, and what is behind the curtain, what is fueling these things, it is the spirit of greed. It is the love of money. It is the love of selfishness, the love of myself, the love of what can I gain, what can I get out of this. Now, how many know not everybody's like that, thank God. But the, but the powers that are pushing agendas in our world have a spirit of greed. And church, if you don't know what, how this ends one day, the Bible tells us in Revelation that one day the whole world will be controlled by one money system. One system of money. And, and we will have to bow, not us, but the world will have to bow to that system. And if they don't, they will not be able to eat, they will not be able to drink, they will not be able to buy, they will not be able to sell. So don't think that there's not an agenda heading that direction. And a whole bunch of people in this world who don't care about anybody else but their gain at everybody else's expense. Now I want to go to a story in Genesis chapter 4. This will be the other place in the, in the Bible that we're going to look at this morning. And uh, this story has just been in my spirit. I've mentioned it also last week. It ties into everything. Everything, fear, hatred, and anger, and, and, and greed are all in this story as we talk about Cain and Abel. And right before you reread this, I want to give you one more quote. This is actually the definition. Covet, covetousness means to desire someone else's stuff. So you look at somebody and you go, man, I wish I had that car. I wish I had that thing. I wish I had that, that thing they have. But greed is the desire to gather and hold on to wealth by any means possible. By any means possible. They don't care if they lose their family. They don't care if they lose. They don't, they don't care as long as they gain. That's what greed is. So let's look at Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And, and, and Adam, the Bible says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. And she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord, and she bore again, and this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that they went, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against his brother and killed him. Now one of the most interesting things about this story, and I'm going to go over a few things and break some things down, is that we talked about this last week, but I didn't get into it very long. The first murder that ever happened was not a race against a race. 
or a nation against another nation. The first murder ever that ever happened was a brother against a brother, blood brothers. So the root, again, of all hatred and all anger doesn't have to do with with the nation you're from, the color of your skin, your background. It has to do with hatred in your spirit for another person. That was a good place to say amen. That was the root of, of the first murder, was simple hatred and jealousy and greed. And so we see here in this story that there is a spirit that fought Cain to do what he did to Abel. Now let's go back and look at a few things here. The Bible says in verse 2, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, meaning he, he, he watched the sheep, he was a shepherd, and Cain was a tiller of the ground, meaning he was a farmer. So they were both working, both doing a job. They were both active. They were both doing the right thing. And it says, as time went on, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. How many know that's a good thing? How many know a lot of times we can do a good thing? And it says, also Abel brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. So they both brought an offering. They both were working. They both brought an offering. You say, what's the problem with that? What's the situation? What's the deal? But the Bible says the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect or receive or accept Cain and his offering. And so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Now before we read the next part, let's think about why. What would, what, what would be the reason that God would not accept his offering? What was the difference? Well, one thing you could possibly notice in there is the fact that Abel, or sorry, Cain, gave an offering, but he did not give his first fruit offering. He didn't give his best. He just gave. And we know this morning, church, that God is a God who understands and knows our motives. He knows our heart. He searches our heart. He knows our thoughts. And he can see past the, the facade of why we do things. He can sometimes, not sometimes, he can see past our sometimes selfishness or greed or that I'm doing this so somebody else will see me do it. So he calls him out. It, it doesn't matter that he brought an offering. It was the heart that he brought the offering with. So that is one possible thing. But regardless, I don't even want to focus so much on that. I could preach a financial message on that, and I could make it about first fruits and how important it is to give your tithe and all that. But that's not what I'm preaching. What I'm preaching about this morning is the spirit of greed and, and how God is so good. When somebody tells someone next to you, God is so good, do you all believe that this morning, that God is so good, that he's so merciful, so graceful? Do you all realize that none of us deserve to be here this morning? None of us should be here this morning. We should all be dead in jail already in eternity, but by the grace of God and his goodness, we're sitting in a church service this morning. Amen. What a good God we serve who loves us. But here's the thing. As, as we get past that part, God corrects Cain. I'll be the first to raise my hand. I need correction. I need some, I mean, I minister on that Wednesday night how important it is to make an impact on somebody's life and how somebody impacted my life and how I need somebody in my life that's going to tell me what I need to hear, not what I want to hear. 
Is anybody thankful for having somebody in your life this morning, hopefully myself as your pastor for one, that's going to tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear, amen? What the Bible says, not what we think. How many are thankful for having somebody in your life that's going to speak to you the truth, that's going to tell you you're going down the wrong path, you're doing the wrong thing? So God confronts Cain. Verse 8. He says, Cain, why are you so angry? Not because he doesn't know. It's just like when he asked his father, Adam, hey, where are you at? He knew where he was at. When God asks you a question like that, he's just testing you to see if you're going to be honest. Because he already knows where you are. He knew why he was angry. Because he had a spirit of anger. He says, why are you so angry? And he says, why has your countenance fallen? He goes, If you do well, will you not be accepted? I've said about over and over the last two or three weeks, half the battle of serving God is just doing the right thing. Just do the right thing. Just obey God and what his word says. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? But here's the thing we got to understand. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door. See, the devil's not playing games today. He doesn't have anything to go eat after. He doesn't have something else to do. He only has one job, and that is to to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he's after. He's after your soul this morning. He's after my soul this morning. He's after anybody he can deceive this morning. He's after anybody he can put that sin at the door and just knock and see if we'll open and let that, that, that devil come in, that spirit come in. He's lying at the door if we do not do well. He says, and watch this, it is, its desire is for you. And that made me think of when Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He says, but I'm praying for you. I'm thankful for people who pray for you. Amen. So he says, its desire is for you. Now here's the key. But you, verse, verse uh, eight, 6, sorry, I said 8 earlier. Verse 6 says, for you should rule over it. Is it anger? Is it greed? Is it selfishness? Is it jealousy? Is it unforgiveness? What is the spirit that's attacking you this morning? God says you need to rule over that. If you don't rule over it, it's going to rule over you. Amen? That's what lawlessness is and unruliness is, is when we allow those things to rule over us and to take over us. And so he goes and he kills his brother. No one really knows how. He could have been a stone could have been uh, uh, some kind of uh, metal thing that he was using for farming. But the bottom line is, he killed him. He rose up and killed his brother, Abel. And the first death happens because of the spirit of greed. He was not, he was not satisfied with what God had given him. He wanted more. So he took out an innocent life. Now write this down. Instead of loving people and using money, people often love money and use people. I mean, no, that's the truth. We, we, the motives that this world has are so wicked, church. we got to understand that uh, we are not good people. Can somebody say amen? Has anybody figured that out yet? We're not good people. Am I talking to anybody here that's real? The Bible says my goodness is filthy rags. I'm not good. You're not good. We're not good. We don't need help to mess up. We don't need help to sin. We're sinful beings. 
We need help to do it right. We need help to get our hearts right. We need help to get our hearts in line with Jesus and be thankful for who he is and what he wants to do in our life. We need God's help. we got to cry out to him and say, Lord, when you correct me like you did Cain, let me have the right attitude that says, Lord, I'm changing. Thank you for showing me that, that, that spirit I have in me. I'm going to do something different. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. I'm going to give you just two more verses as I begin to close. He says to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Covetousness. So everybody say covetousness. That's a tough one. Did y'all do good? I didn't hear you. Say it one more time. Covetousness. Sis, Amen. That's me wanting what you have, what somebody else has. Be careful when you want what somebody else has because you don't know what they've done to get it. Right? The Bible says better to have little and not so many problems than to have much and have problems. So he says, beware of the spirit of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. There are people who are like that. They're very materialistic. Who they are and what they are and how they feel is based on what they have. And not who they are in Jesus. And that's why Jesus said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And there are people who, will, who we know this, we know this exists in the Illuminati and, and all the demonic things that go on in the world where people sell their souls for power and money and fame. People do it all the time. And there is a spiritual power there that is real. But Jesus said, what does it, gain, what does it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Because he said, what he's saying is your life is short. What are you going to do with your eternity? He says, I'm going, to have to, I'm going to have to ask you what you're going to do with eternity. You've got all this stuff. All the stuff in the world cannot buy your way into heaven. All the stuff in the world cannot buy you peace. All the stuff in the world cannot buy you joy. No matter how much you have. And here's what you need to think about. What exactly is greed? As we look at this verse and he says, one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. One way you know that you're greedy is that your mind is always on this world. You don't have an eternal perspective. You don't think about eternity. You don't think about impacting somebody's life. You don't think about sowing a seed. You don't think about what eternity is going to You're all about today. That's a, that you might not be totally engulfed in greed, but you have the spirit of greed if all you think about is here. And you don't have any eternal mindset. You can be sure that you need to deal with that spirit. How much time, as I begin to close, church, how much time do we spend as people in the world? And maybe it's not even just us, but the world. Working and toiling and saving and doing and going and working and saving and doing and working and saving and doing and thinking and planning and doing all this stuff. And don't ever spend one second thinking where I'll spend eternity. One second where I'll spend eternity. How many know if we're smart this morning, we will have an eternal mindset? We will begin to understand what I'm going to close with right here, what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, 19 and 20, straight from the Savior's mouth, straight from the King. 
He says, if I were you, that's one thing I, 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 love, I love about my pastor. I learned from him. I'd ask him something, and he'd say, if I were you, or I would. He'll never tell you, do this. But he'd say, if I were you, or if it were me, put, put the pressure on, back on you kind of indirectly. Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But what should we do? He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Amen. How many are thankful that we can put, have an eternal bank account this morning? Amen. As the musicians begin to come, stay with me just for a moment here. This is, this is, this is a hard issue. Greed is a hard issue. Selfishness is a hard issue. Pastor Mario mentioned that monkey. I, I've seen that with my own eyes where they'll trap them. And they'll get their hand in that trap or they'll get their hand in a coconut or they'll get their hand in a tree and they'll grab on because they want it so bad. And if they don't let go, they're going to die. Simply, they're going to die. They trap them. All that monkey has to do, I mean, you can YouTube it, you can go find the video. All that monkey has to do is release what he has his hand on, pull his hand out the hole, and get on with life. But he doesn't because greed has him. He cannot let go of what's in his hand, and he gives his life over it. Church, I want to stand before God one day, and all I want to hear is these words, enter in, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but that's all I want to hear. And I'm going to hear that because my faith this morning is in he, who Jesus is and the spirit behind his love. I want to end with this thought. If you have notes, you're taking notes, have some place you can write this down, just word, write the word grace real big. G-R-A-C-E. Just write it real big. Grace. You know what? You know what destroys fear, and hate, and greed, and all the other spirits. Grace. When I really, really, really understood what the cross was about, was when I understood what grace is. Earlier, I said that greed is you getting financial gain or somebody getting financial gain at the expense of somebody else. Remember that? I'm gaining at the expense of somebody else. Here's what Jesus did. Here's what grace means. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. Meaning he's got heaven and eternity and a mansion, and peace, and joy, and love, and unity, and all the things that we want to have on this earth. And we should strive for those things. But we got to understand, those things are never going to happen the way we want them to happen until we get to heaven. And the reason we're going to get to heaven is because Christ said, I paid the expense, but I don't get anything out of it. You get God's grace because of my expense. My favorite verse and it's become more my favorite verse over the years. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He who knew no sin 
became sin for me so that I could be the righteousness of God. Can y'all think about that just for a second? He who knew no sin became sin for me, went down to the pit, went down and got bled upon, went down and got beat up, went down and took everything on him that he did not deserve for me so I could be the righteousness of God. Amen. Let the grace of God work in you this morning. When grace works, it destroys fear. When grace works, it destroys hate. When grace works, it destroys greed. It destroys the works of the enemy. Father, in this place this morning, you have our heart, you have our thoughts, you have our attention. We want to do right. We want to spend eternity with you. We'd be foolish not to, God. But Lord, in between us and the finish line are spirits of the enemy. Anger, fear, and greed, unforgiveness, and so many more. But Lord, this year in 2020, like never before, the enemy has rose up. And he has unleashed a spirit of fear. And he has unleashed a spirit of hate and anger. And it is all driven by the greed of the people of this world and the spirits of people who could care less about us. And it comes from the spirit of Antichrist. It comes from the spirit of the enemy. And today, God, we declare that we're going to stand up as the church of Jesus Christ. And we're going to put on the full armor of God. And we are going to resist the devil and all of his plans. And we're going to be the church that you've called us to be this morning. In the name of Jesus. That is our cry. That is our desire. That is our hope, Father, that you could use us this morning, God. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place. And the spirit of the living God is dealing with us individually, personally. He's not dealing with the person next to you. He's dealing with you. How many in this place could be honest with God and say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If I were to pass into eternity this morning, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. The Bible says, He who knew no sin became sin for you and me that we could become the righteousness of God. All you got to do is say, Lord, I accept what you did. I accept the expense that you paid. What expense did he pay? His life. No greater love does any man have than he would give his life for his brethren. How many can say, that's me this morning, Pastor? I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want Jesus to come into my life. I've never said that prayer. I've never made that decision. Would you just lift your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor? I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? All over. All over. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? You can put it back down. God bless you. Come on. You're not sure. I'm not asking you if you're a member of a church. I'm not asking you if you believe in God. That's not enough. The Bible says the demons believe as well, and they tremble at his word. I'm asking you, do you believe that Jesus took your place? At his expense, you can be forgiven this morning. At his expense, you can be restored 
to the place that God wants you to be. Because right now, without Jesus, you are separated from God. The Bible says we have all sinned in Romans and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. But then he goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. I feel the Holy Spirit tugging on some hearts this morning. I'm going to wait just a few seconds. I don't want anybody to walk out. Every time we have a service, I say, Lord, please don't let anybody walk out of this place that does not know you. Because I'm telling you, tomorrow is not promised. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you, you don't know what tomorrow holds. There's no promise you'll ever get a chance to, to hear an opportunity to be saved again. And you will have no excuse. Jesus said, I paid the price. Just accept it today. How many more? Come on. Pastor, pray for me. Just put it up and put it down. I need Jesus this morning. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. Honest hearts. How many more? I'm going to wait just a few seconds. Just lift it up and say, that's me. I need Jesus. Here's one more prayer. Maybe you, at some point in your life, you might have been 5, 10, 15. It might have been 10 years ago, 5 years ago, 3 years ago. You said a prayer like this. You said, Jesus, I believe you paid the price on the cross for my sins. But today, you are not living for God. The Bible calls it backsliding. The Bible calls us going back away from our first love, like the prodigal son. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. And Jesus is saying to you, come home, wayward child. Come home. Come back to your first love. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? That's me. I see your hand. God bless you. Praise God. How many more? We're just going to wait just a moment here. I don't want anybody to walk out of this place without knowing Amen. Let's stand. And as you stand, please don't talk or move around. Just stay in this attitude of prayer. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I did this almost 28 years ago. It was the best decision I've ever made in my life, and I've never, ever regretted it. I realized that I was on my way to hell. I knew I was going to hell. Actually, God told me. I actually heard, heard his voice tell me, if you don't get right tonight, you're going to hell. And I changed my life, and I went to the, to the altar, and I gave my life to Jesus. I've never regretted it. Maybe you're here and you still didn't raise your hand, but right now what's happening, I can give you the symptoms. Right now your heart is beating really fast. Something inside of you is telling you, you need to go. Don't listen to the devil that says don't go. Because he hates you. He hates you. He wants you to go to hell and spend it with him in eternity. That's what he wants. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to Jesus. The Bible says, is knocking on your heart and saying, let me in. Let me in. Let me in. I died for you. If you raise your hand all over this place for either salvation or reconciliation, I'm going to ask you to do a bold move this morning. The Bible says, if you will confess Jesus before man, he says, I will confess you before my Father that is in heaven. But if you deny me before man, I will deny you before my Father that is in heaven. So it is, to me, it is very important that we make a public confession of our faith. Because you know what? If you can't stand up in a congregation of people at church and say, I believe in Jesus, you will never stand up for Jesus outside of these four walls. But I want to stand up for Jesus everywhere I go. I want everybody to know that he's my king and he's my savior and he's my master, and he's my Lord. Amen. Does anybody else feel that way about Jesus this morning? 
as we're clapping, if you, if you raised your hand, would you just find the nearest aisle and just come down here real fast? Come on, hands went up. Come on, just step out and come down. Come on, just step out. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, church. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, keep clapping. Keep thanking him. Amen. Would somebody just come stand behind them so they feel supported this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe you still haven't raised your hand. You still haven't came. Just, just step out. Say, man, I'm, I got to make today my day. I got to make today my day. Amen. We're so glad you're making this decision right now. Amen. We're so glad you're here. I'm going to tell you something real quick. The decision you're making is the absolute best decision you're ever going to make in your life. And it's not that hard to make. It's not that hard to say a prayer. But from today forward is where it gets hard. It's not easy. Jesus said it was a narrow road. It is the best road, but it's not easy. It's, it's, it's a tough road. Why? Because the Bible says you've got to pick up your cross and carry it and deny yourself. A lot of people say a prayer at an altar. They don't really understand what it means. And then they go back out and the devil begins to talk to them and they go back to their old ways and that prayer was just a prayer. But I believe every single one of you this morning are, are going to say this prayer from your heart and what the Bible says is going to happen is you're going to become a new creation. Let me give you some really good news real quick as you can feel the love of the Lord right now. This is the most amazing thing about God. You came in here just like everybody else, a sinner. You came in here dirty spiritually. You came in here covered in problems and covered in, 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 in dirt. The Bible says when you ask Jesus to come into your life right now, he is going to wash you clean from everything you've ever done, ever said, ever thought, and he's going to make you a new creation. And that's the Bible truth. It's the truth. doesn't matter. If, you, if you've been a great person and never messed up, never drank, smoked, touched drugs, thought anything bad, or if you're a murderer in here, this doesn't matter. Because the Bible says that his grace is equal at the cross. There, nobody is better or worse at the cross. We all need Jesus. That, that thief that was on his side deserved death. He looked over and said, Jesus, would you remember me today? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. There's going to be people, there's people that go into eternity every single day that are like Mother Teresa, great people, and they're not going to go to heaven without Jesus. He's the way and the truth and the life. Now behind you right now, you don't have to look back, but there's an entire congregation of people who did this exact same thing you're doing right now. And God has changed their lives. I could hand this microphone over and we would be here for hours. People saying who they used to be and who they are now what they used to do and what they do now, what they've been set free from and delivered from, and that's what God wants to do in your life right now. Congregation, I want you to extend your hands towards these people. I want you to say this prayer with me. We're going to say it all together, and I want you to say this from your heart, and this is what the Bible says is a salvation prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You who knew no sin became sin for me so I could become the righteousness of God. The wages of my sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
Jesus, I also believe and confess with my mouth that you rose from the dead. After you died on that cross, you defeated death and you ascended into heaven and you're praying for me right now. I believe that with all my heart. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me clean right now by your grace. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. My life is now yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, the Bible says there are angels shouting and rejoicing right now in heaven over one sinner who comes home. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing this song right where you're at. We're just going to thank the Lord for his presence. Just stay where you're at and just worship God.